Gets it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartzell. Right up front. Younger fit inside of the net. Now in and a good Tuesday to TC Martin Ballpark Frank VGK Frank today because why today is Hockey Day game number five coming your way tonight the Golden Knights taking on the Colorado Avalanche so we are diving into all of that today Connor McGahey is going to join us here in a matter of moments the current play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche and the former a Vegas Golden Knights host of the pre- and post-game shows on the television side for AT&T Sportsnet uh, going back to the inaugural season. So here's a guy that uh, can talk to us from both sides, and he is in Denver, so we will get the vibe in Denver as we get ready for game number five uh, tonight. So looking forward to that. Plus, we have a lot to cover here on the show as well here today, too. And going to do a very special tribute to a very good friend and a regular guest on our show, especially during football season for uh, many people that know. Um, And if you don't know, we got some very sad news last night um, that Jim Fossil passed away, the former football coach. uh, And like I said, regular on our show, uh, just a great guy, a great coach, a great friend, Uh, Passed away at the age of 71. Had a heart attack yesterday afternoon. So there's a a lot of layers to this story. It's obviously very personal to me because I've known Jim for quite some time. And uh, like I said, been a regular on this show. And I talked to him regularly and just talked to him last Thursday. Talked to him last Thursday, just checking up on him, seeing how he's doing And then get the news, shockingly enough, that he passes away uh, last night. So uh, still kind of a little in shock uh, with this news. And I know a lot of national media outlets have have picked up on the story. Saw it on ESPN today and other things. Uh, I've tweeted out some stuff and did some social media stuff as well, too. But uh, very, very shocking to hear. I was texting his daughter earlier today. And uh, condolences uh, go out to the family. Um, And also, when it's time, going to reach out to his son, John, who he had talked about many, many times here on this show. Uh, John, obviously the special teams coordinator with the Dallas Cowboys, used to have that same role with the Rams, was actually the interim head coach with the Rams. And Jim loved talking about his son, John. I didn't think it would be appropriate today to reach out to John and obviously have him on the show as his family is grieving. But uh, a father of five. 16 grandchildren Jim had, and just uh, uh, a great guy. Yeah, I mean, a real great guy. And uh, as entertaining as he was on the phone and that, it was even better when you had him live. Not going to be the same at the Cosmopolitan or any place uh, this football season without him being there. And uh, love to tell stories and love to even more so than just tell the stories, love to animate them. Get him a piece of paper, get him the pen or pencil or something like that, and he's going to diagram the plays and show you exactly how everything was. Had a steel trap for a mind as well. So, uh, you know, he he remembered a lot of stuff and uh, wasn't that terribly old you know it's not like he was 90 or something like that i mean uh he's still a relatively young man but uh you know uh will will be sorely missed and a and a big loss obviously to his family and that but also to the vegas community mm-hmm. he's been out here for quite a while and uh was always friendly with you and with basically anybody in the media that ever gave him a call yeah yeah absolutely and uh yeah i, I remember the first time that uh, i i connected with him many many years ago and just you know i saw him uh outside of our our old radio studio. He was he was there doing something else, and I went up there and introduced myself to him, and we talked and we had some some common friends, you know, in the NFL world and this and that. And I remember I asked him at that point in time, "Hey, would you like to come on the show?" And he goes, 
yeah, I would love to. And I think it was like the very next day he came on, and then it just it was years and years and years of just building this friendship. And you know how it is once you 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 have someone on and you connect with them. You know, it goes a lot further than that. Yeah, they're not just a guest anymore. Exactly. They're a friend. They're almost exactly. like part of your radio family or yes. show. Like, you know, like, right. like like I know you have a, a stable of people that aren't just guests. They're part of the T.C. Martin show. Mm-hmm. You've established it over years in that. A lot of them have that tie to the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. but it shows you don't necessarily have to have that tie mm-hmm. to be family on this show. Right. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Jim was one with, you know, again, when – would ask him to come out to the Cosmopolitan to preview a game or whatever it was. I mean, he would be there. Uh, we would go out and, and have dinners together. We didn't live too far from each other. And, uh, again, I knew that he was ill over the last few months. And he tried to play very coy about it. And he was a very prideful man. And uh, I, I, I know that uh, you know, he got hit with uh, COVID during the pandemic, but his spirits were always up. Had a great disposition, great attitude, and he was doing well. I would check in with him, I would say, every three or four weeks just to see how he's doing. And when that USFL story came up last week, that's what I said, you know what, I want to reach out to him because remember we would always talk to him about his involvement in the spring football leagues, that he was actually going to be one of the founding members of the one for a couple of years ago, if you remember, and we talked about it. And so we talked about that, and he said, oh, i got some people over the house here. They're, you know, they're, they're working on my electrical stuff and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I remember three weeks ago I was talking to him, and he was out at the golf course at his country club where he belongs to, and he had his whole family out there because he does this golf outing uh, like a tournament, and they give away trophies. You know, we joke about participation trophies, this and that. I was like, I go, well, are you going to be playing today? He goes, no, 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 I'm just hosting. And uh, he goes, but I got the whole family out here and this and that. And and so we had that conversation three weeks ago. And then again, my l- last conversation with him was on Thursday. And then I don't know if you've ever been through anything like that where you talk to somebody recently and then within a week or a matter of days, you find out they suddenly pass. My I mean, father. There you go. I talked to my father when I had first moved out here, and I know we have our guest standing by too. Yeah, but I know I want to throw this in quickly. But um, yeah, my father, I would call him every Sunday when I first moved out here back in 1988. He would pick up the phone and say, "You coming home yet?" I'd be like, "No, things are going well." Okay, here's your mother. And the last time I talked to him, he stayed on the phone, and we talked for over an hour before he put my mom on the phone, and he'd never done that before. Two days later, my brother came out here to visit me. He got here early that day to let me know my father passed away the night mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. So my dad actually sensed something, I think, yeah, because he thought my brother John was going to move out here with me as well, which, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years later actually happened. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it, it was a very strange scenario because he never mm-hmm. talked in that day. I get, now, every other sentence was, are you coming back home yet? But it was still like, so how's it going? What are you doing? This and that. And I was like, wow, this is really weird. Yeah, but um, yeah. so yeah, I I actually have been in that situation as close as you can get with yeah. my dad. Yeah, yeah, very sad. Uh, so Jim Fossil passes away at the age of seventy-one. Heart attack was taken to the hospital uh, yesterday, and um, and then we got the news uh, last night. So uh, next hour we are going to give a nice little tribute to our good friend Jim Fossil. We are going to also hear from Tiki Barber. Um, a player that he drafted in 1997, and Tiki had a phenomenal year that year. That was the year that Jim won NFL Coach of the Year, and uh, a few years later, after that, and uh, went to the Super Bowl. You know, with the Giants losing to the Ravens in that 2000-2001 season. So uh, we will pay tribute to Jim Fossil, our good friend, next hour. So we'll hear some thoughts from Tiki Barber, and we are going to play back the last interview that we did with him at the Cosmopolitan which uh, was a few months back. Uh, it was basically towards the uh, end of the NFL season back in December. And uh, I remember that interview pretty well. I'm sure you do too, because we talked not just about what was happening, uh, you know, in this football season, in the crazy COVID football season, but, you know, we talked about the duck offense and we talked about kickers and we talked about all kinds of, you know, the funny stuff in the story. So we will re- relive that with you uh, as well next hour. All right, but we have hockey to get to tonight as we get ready for the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, we figured this would be a great opportunity to talk to the former uh, Las Vegas, for the Vegas Golden Knights 
uh, pre- and post-game host on the television side who is now doing a fantastic job with the Colorado Avalanche on the radio side with the play-by-play. Connor McGahee joins us. Connor, how you doing? TC, Frank, good to, uh, good to talk to you guys. I know it's a sad day uh, with Jim passing away, obviously, uh, in this town, he had, he had a big touch on on the uh, on John Elway. John Elway with his quote today saying that uh, he wouldn't be where he was today if it hadn't been for Jim. So definitely uh, definitely a sad day. But he was the type of guy that made everyone around him better, and that's not just us blowing smoke or saying anything. It's true. But uh, so a sad day in that regard. But uh, in uh, in the light of of him loving what he did. I mean, we love what we do. So uh, let's talk some hockey in the best series going right now and Golden Knights and the Avalanche going into game five tonight. You got, and, and before we get into that, since you brought that up, Connor, that was, that was a point that I actually wanted to bring up too. He always talked about John Elway, and, and he was so close yeah. with John Elway and that community there in Denver as well. He lived in Las Vegas for a, a great uh, many years, but again, he was a Northern California native, spent a lot of time obviously in Southern California, but he loved his time with John Elway the Broncos, and that sort of thing. And he would always talk about John Elway on the show. When we talk about all the stories, he would talk about Elway. And it's funny because I tried to reach out to get in touch with John Elway today via the Broncos. Mm. Wasn't able to do this in this, in this short amount of time. But, uh, you know, not only with his, his son, John Fossil, but would love to, to talk to John Elway and get his uh, thoughts as well, too. So thank you for bringing that up, Connor. I, I appreciate that. Uh, oh, you bet. No problem. Yeah. All right. Let's talk some hockey here. So, uh, first and foremost, what is the feeling amongst the Avalanche's players after returning from the craziness that you know so well of T-Mobile Arena from games three and four? You know, I think that every player will tell you that no matter where they go, if they're if it's a good environment, the visiting team loves it just as much as the home team. I mean, that's why... Certain players, especially if they're from Canada, love going back to to play in Montreal or play in Toronto or play in Vancouver on hockey night in Canada. Uh, they love to go to Chicago and and uh, stand out there for the anthem with everybody cheering. They love to go to Madison Square Garden and, and get a dose of New York sports fandom. And Vegas definitely fits the bill for that. Uh, one of the best environments out there, but... It, it, it's not one of those things where I don't think it intimidates the opposition. I think any athlete will tell you that they they love that uh, no matter where it is, on a place or anywhere else. So uh, it's a it's a great place to play. Um, but Vegas has found their feet uh, ever since game number one, and uh, as we thought it might be, this is a series that's tied at two, and frankly, it should be. You know, Connor, going into this series, in the first game, that was an anomaly. It was almost seemed like it was set to be that Colorado was going to win. Vegas coming off the seven-game series with Minnesota, they get the win, but then basically they get boat raced in that game one. What is the feeling right now amongst the Avalanche players and the fan base and media and everybody up there right now? Because you could argue that since that game one, Vegas has outplayed them. They've outshot them 119 to 63, and I know that can sometimes be a misleading stat. But if I'm an Avalanche fan, the thing that I'm concerned about is the top line for Vegas has been doing a pretty good job of shutting down that top line for Colorado. And the line that you're so familiar with, the original Misfit line with Smith, Carlson, and Marshall Show, seem to be firing on all cylinders. And when Vegas is firing with both of their top lines and Mark Andre Fleury's playing like he uh, has been playing of late and has played all season long. That's got to be very telling because Colorado's got to make some changes. What do they change? Well, I think that Jared Bednar is not always big in on matchups. He's usually all about being able to play whoever against anybody else. But there comes times where you need to focus on matchups, and that's what Pete DeBoer did to the Avalanche in games three and four. He saw that that line of Carlson, Marcia So, and Riley Smith was going, and so he, he just put him out there every chance that he could get. Max Pacioretty now has three game winners in this series, which is incredible. Um, and I think that that's why home ice is super important in this series and for the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because if that's the case, then Jared Bednar can get his top line out and get them going against personnel that that uh, that may not fit the bill for Vegas, if that seems to be the case. So 
usually he doesn't chase the matchups very much, but in a series that's gone the way that it has so far, I think he's going to need to, and that's why the last change is super important. I would expect the top line to be on the ice plenty more tonight. I think they were only on about six minutes per period in game number four. Don't quote me on that, but uh, I would expect them to be in a big way uh, going against all four lines of Vegas at some point tonight. You know, we've seen Colorado play so well in the sweep of the St. Louis Blues and in the first two games against the Golden Knights. But then it just seems, you know, in those games three and four, we have seen, I don't want to say a different approach, but obviously the lack of production, you know, especially from that top line. What is the difference? Is it something that that the Golden Knights are doing or is it just a different approach uh, for these last two games, Connor? What is your take from those first uh, six games compared to the last two? Uh, it's definitely what Vegas has done, and they have taken all time and space away, uh, which at some some points is not fun to watch, but it's effective. And they observe how Colorado handles the puck in their own zone, in the offensive zone, and they can almost see the future. And the Avalanche have not really been creative on what they do with the puck, whether that's coming from D to D or forward to D. I mean, that's the thing. If, if Kale McCarr gets the puck in the corner in his own zone. I mean, he doesn't even have time to react. There's a golden knight on him immediately. And then when you get out of that four check, it's almost like it's three layers deep. So like I said, it's effective hockey. It's not exactly what the Avalanche are used to because uh, they do play wide open and speedy and skilled. And as, as much as people want to say that they're a rush team, they're really not. I mean, I think they're actually the best team on the cycle in the National Hockey League. Tampa uh, and Boston come to mind as well. But the Avalanche have not been able to set up in the Vegas zone in the past two games, maybe two and a half games, and that's a credit to uh, the Vegas Golden Knights defensively. However, I think some amendations have been made, and it's like Vegas made the changes from games one and two to game three, and now Colorado has a chance to change up how they play things uh, back on home ice here in game five. So. The playoffs inside a series are always a cat-and-mouse game, and that cat-and-mouse game continues here tonight. All right, Connor McGahey joins us, the play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche with Altitude Sports in Denver. Connor, you mentioned Max Pacioretty and the game-winning goals, and I agree with you. That's phenomenal. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Pacioretty wasn't in the lineup. He came back late in the Minnesota series, made an immediate impact, and now him on the top line, it, people tend to, tend to sometimes forget that it's not just getting a player back, but it lets everybody else slot down to where they're, you know, the second line's that much more effective. And then the third line and everything else as well. Yeah. How is Colorado right now with health? Because I know one of the big losses, and people out here aren't talking about it that much, but Nazem Kadri is a huge loss. And I said going into this series that the one thing that Vegas might be thankful for is that Colorado swept St. Louis in that first round because if that would have gone five games or six games, heck, if it would have gone to six games, Kadri would be back tonight. But we know he's not <laughs> eligible until at least game seven because just came down again today that even now the uh, the neutral arbitrator basically said, no, the eight-game suspension will stand. How much does he mean to that team? Well, everyone wants to look at the fact that he only had one goal in his last 24 games, I think. Uh, not exactly a lot of offensive production, but when it comes to faceoffs, he's one of the best on the team. And imagine, I mean, William Carlson has dominated at the dot in this series, and part of the reason is he doesn't have to go up against Nazem Kadri. Um, Belmar, very good. Landis Gog has gotten much better from the faceoff dot, but you miss him in that situation. And yeah, you want more production out of your second line center, uh, but also. When you talk about puck possession and the Avalanche are a puck possession team, you can't possess the puck if you don't win the draw. And so that's where I think they miss Nazem Kadri. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are confused as to why it was, I mean, suspendable absolutely in the first place. Eight games seemed like a long time. Uh, the commissioner upheld it. And then Shyam Das, who's the independent arbitrator, as you mentioned, upheld the eight games today. Uh, people pointing to Mark Shifley in Winnipeg. He only got four. Tom Wilson didn't get anything for the hit on Panarin. But, you know, it is what it is, and you have to to make do without. And that's what the Avalanche have really had to do uh, in the last couple of of playoffs in general. Last year in Dallas or against Dallas in the bubble, they had had to play without six starters, including their top two goaltenders, and they still took Dallas uh, to seven games. So 
they've had to make do, but you just you can't you can't put aside the fact that especially with the faceoffs, Nassim Kadri would make an impact. And you know, part of the reason they made the trade was they didn't have a true second line center. That's what he is, uh, and he was a monster in the postseason last year. So they definitely missed that production because you know he's probably a different creature when it comes to the postseason. And like I said, uh, Vegas has just taken the avalanche to task when it comes to faceoffs, and he would have been the guy to sort of change that momentum and, and, and put the puck back on that sticks. Let's talk a little bit about the venues. We know the Avalanche have been fantastic at home. They have not lost a postseason game on their uh, home ice as of yet. And you've worked, actually, in both buildings. You know, Here at T-Mobile Arena, the inaugural season, uh, you saw that madness all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. <clears throat> and then, you know, of course, going through what, uh, you know, this great season that the Avalanche are having now. A lot of talk is always made about the the shows you know the show style the rock concert atmosphere that the that vegas has here at t-mobile arena and you know they had the largest crowd of eighteen thousand for games three and four the largest of any nhl contest this season you guys i believe connor had around nine or ten thousand i think for games number one and two talk a little bit about the difference between the two buildings, even though they're not both at full capacity, and talk about what that home ice advantage means. And again, not just those two buildings, those arenas, because you've you've been around the NHL all over the place here. Just talk uh-huh. about the, the you know the electricity that you have here at T-Mobile compared to everywhere else. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's there's nothing beats playoff hockey. We'll start there. It doesn't matter what venue you're in. They had nine thousand people at Nassau Coliseum for the Islanders, and it was one of the best crowds you'll see in a long time. Uh, Boston got to what they call a capacity crowd for game one of round two, and you could just tell that it was it was raucous. I mean, loud, loud crowds are all over the place, and hockey fans are special for that reason, and, and that includes here. The Avalanche uh, will have a crowd of 10,500 tonight, as they did for games one and two. Uh, and hope the the plan is they can get to if they get to a game seven or round number two they'll actually have the full capacity of eighteen thousand inside. But uh, fans are vocal uh, no matter where you go, and and every show is different, and fans respond to different things. Uh, the thing about Vegas is, I mean, the crowd is the crowd itself is good, you know, and they they know when to cheer and and when not to and. And they're loud enough as it is. You don't need everything else on top of it. But uh, but like I said, each building has its own volume. And when you're inside, I mean, it, it, it just sounds as loud as the other. And that's why hockey fans in general, I think, uh, are the best fans in sports. Obviously, coming into this series, there's a lot of talk about the goaltending. You have two of the three finalists for the Vesna in this series. Marc-Andre Fleury's been sensational. It's hard for some people to realize that he's never won a Vesna trophy in his career. Philip Grubauer never been nominated. A, yeah. I can't even believe that. Yeah, never been nominated. Grubauer has had a great season up there as well. What have you seen of the goaltending so far? I know Fleury hasn't been tested, tested as much. Sometimes that can almost be more difficult on a goalie when you don't see enough action out there. But um, what's the sense there? Because Grubauer has been great, but uh, I had a feeling in that last game that maybe there was a shot or two that he would have liked back. But uh, Fleury really seems zoned in right now. Is there a goaltending advantage for either side? I mean, they're, they're like you said, they're both Vesna finalists. And... Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, especially last game, got the Joe Cocker treatment, got a little help from his friends, uh, as he has been all season long, as the, the Golden Knights lead the Stanley Cup playoffs and block shots. And that's something the Avalanche will have to, to to try and amend, is that they can't just you know throw it into a shin pad as, as Vegas, again, as they're layered on the four check, will layer blocking shots as well. Uh, 18 is the fewest that the Avalanche have had in almost the last 350 games. Uh, and I think that's happened four times. 18 is the fewest. So, um, and you're right. Sometimes for a goalie, volume is better. Each goaltender is different. Sometimes for the Grubauer is that way. But I don't put last game on Grubauer at all. Uh, he won that game for the Avalanche in game number two. Gave them a chance uh, in game three. It's it's unlucky that Marcheseau will never never score a goal like that ever again. Uh, the one that tied things up in game number three. So. Uh, 
you, you got to have the luck that goes along with it. But I, I would I wouldn't say there's an advantage on either side. I mean, like we said, you have you have two of the three best goaltenders in the National Hockey League going head to head, and it's just a shame that one of them has to be out in the second round. All right, final thing for you, Connor. This Avalanche team, it's hard to imagine them losing three games in a row, and I really can't remember how often they've lost two games in a row. What do you expect tonight, not just from the Avalanche, but how do you see this game unfolding? Yeah, it's hard to predict. It it really is. I wish I I was the magnificent Karnak and could look into the future, but... uh, uh, I just as good as as good as the Avalanche play on home ice, and I got asked yesterday if there's too much emphasis put on the fact that you know Colorado relies on their home ice advantage. I mean, look, they've played with no fans, uh, with some fans, with a mostly full building. They just really enjoy playing here, and I think I I, I equated it to look when things aren't going your way. No matter what it is in your life, you always look forward to something comforting, something that's familiar, something that's going to put you back on the right track, whether that's stopping at Wendy's to get a Frosty on the way home when you probably shouldn't or, or uh, you know, or whatever. you going to, to your favorite park to read a book. You go to things that are comfortable when you need to realign, and I think Ball Arena will be that place for the Avalanche to realign. As you mentioned, losing three in a row, I think has only happened once all year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I'm not very good at math. But, uh, but it just doesn't happen often. And a lot of people predicted that this series will go seven, and I think that's very likely. Look at this. We need to have Connor back on the show. I mean, we got a Wendy's and a Frosty's reference and a Joe Cocker reference all in one interview. It's outstanding. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and next time Connor's in town, which, um, well, actually will be a Thursday night. Yeah. Um, you know, See you tomorrow. You've got to get one of those shakes from Freddy's, too, because I, That's know, right. I know that they are very good over there. Yeah, it, Connor, uh, hey, it, always Freddy's, a pleasure. We, go ahead. I was going to say, Freddy's, we got Freddy's here. It is uh, there you go. mighty tasty. I, I frequent Freddy's. That there you go. Pa- patronize the sponsor, Connor. You know how it works. <laughs> yeah. There you go, man. I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's funny too because I know a lot of people. The old adage in the playoffs is a series doesn't begin until a road team wins. Well, the reality is, if a road team doesn't win after seven games, then the series over before it began because because <laughs> it will be right. over. So it will be interesting. I do know one thing: whether it's Vegas or Colorado, even though Montreal is sitting around right now resting up, getting ready for them. I have a feeling the Vegas-Colorado winner is going to be a pretty big favorite in that series coming up. <laughs> yeah, I would think so, too. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens have, uh, have an air of the 96 Florida Panthers about them. Uh, their magic went only so far. They defeated the Pittsburgh Penguins in the Eastern Conference Final, but then they ran into the Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Final and got swept. So uh, we, we shall see. And, uh, you know, sometimes the underdog – Mantra will motivate a team more than we think, so we'll find out. But you're right, the Montreal story is something that, well, let's be honest, we all saw it coming. We all predicted that. How strange is it for you to, again, you, you've, you used to work here in Vegas, now you're working for, for the Avalanche, and you know, coming to both buildings here, you still have a, a soft spot you know, for Vegas and probably the Golden Knights, I, I would think. So how does that work for you? Uh, it's good. Like I said, I worked inside this organization, the Avalanche, for 10 years. And then when Vegas came into existence, AT&T Sportsnet, their headquarters are here in Denver. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was an opportunity, a door that opened. And, and like I said, it was, I was lucky enough to, to be hired for that position and be around in that first year, which really was truly incredible. Um, so I have that 17-18 season to uh, to always remember. But, you know, I, I have been going to Avalanche games since I was 10 years old. I mean, I was at the first ever game, uh, October 6, 1995. The Avs beat the Detroit Red Wings 3-2. to Valerie Kamensky, uh, one of just the most graceful goal scorers in NHL history, had three, excuse me, two goals on opening night. And, uh, and yeah, I've, I've been going to games ever since. And so, uh, to do a job that I've wanted since I was 10 years old for the team that I've been watching since I was a kid is also truly special. So uh, it, whether it's there or here, I, I've been overly blessed, and I'm very thankful for, uh, for all the opportunities that I've had. Well, you do a fantastic job, Connor, and uh, we appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully we will talk to you very, very soon as well, and enjoy the call tonight. 
Thanks, fellas. I will try. Call anytime. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Connor. And as I was trying to throw in really in a personal note, too, that yeah. as much as I love that Vegas has a hockey team and professional sports at the major league levels out here, one of the coolest things is some of the people I've had a chance to meet, and you're one of the first-rate guys. I uh, consider you a good friend and wish you all the success this season and for the rest of your career because you're a first-rate guy and you do a fantastic job. And I'm as, as happy as I am to have you as a guest on any show I'm on, I'm even more happy to say that you're a friend of mine. <laughs> Oh, you're a friend, too, Frank. I appreciate you. Thank you, and God bless you. All right, there he is. Connor McGahee be on the call tonight over in the Altitude uh, Sports for the Colorado Avalanche and the Golden Knights. So you got the perspective there from Colorado. And then, of course, we'll give more to you from uh, our perspective as well from the Golden Knights uh, tonight. So it's been a home ice series. Uh, Will the home ice domination continue tonight yeah time will tell we're only a couple hours away remember 6 p.m puck drop tonight though with the game beforehand something tells me it will actually be a little bit beyond that like it was the last game but it mm-hmm. should be around there but uh also the breaking news that Connor mcgahee uh, enjoys freddy's up in the mile high city as well you got, hey freddy's is everywhere <laughs> we know that outstanding stuff all right i well, appreciate Connor mcgahee for joining us and a lot of golden knights fans will probably will remember him uh, from that inaugural season when he worked for AT&T Sportsnet. All right, don't forget tonight as well. We've got a VGK watch party over at Sunset Station. You can join our good friend Brian Blessing, who precedes us here. He'll be out there along with Chuck Esposito. Of course, Chuck, a uh, fantastic racing sportsbook director with the Station Casino's property. Club Madrid tonight. I'm going to be rolling by there tonight as, as well, too. We're going to be really enjoying tonight's Game 5, the pivotal Game 5. Uh, it'll be very, very exciting and to uh, be around a lot of Golden Knights fans. And again, we know that Chuck has been wanting to have these, these watch parties. So this is the second one that they've gotten back. And uh, they did that for the road game. Uh, well, they did it for a home game yeah. last time. Yeah, for the they home did game. it for the home game. So right. the crowd, they had a good crowd, but some right. of the people did go through the game. But now with the road game, they expect an even more raucous crowd. So get there early, enjoy some uh, great food and beverages and that yeah. that they have there. Race book right there, or of course it's in the palm of your hand. And I did hear that along with the giveaways tonight, that for those that have not gotten into the uh, STN mobile app yet. That if they sign up tonight where they're at that party down there that you will be attending, that they're giving away a Mark Stone stick, mm. hockey stick, to somebody who does sign up tonight. I heard Brian yeah. mention that on his right. show, so that's kind of nice, uh, you know. I don't know if it's autographed or not, but if it's Mark Stone stick, uh, probably pretty good at taking the puck away from other people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look forward to that tonight at Sunset Station. A little bit past 6 o'clock will be Puck Drop, Club Madrid inside Sunset Station in Henderson. All right. We come back, we'll talk a little more VGK, NBA playoffs as well. A couple blowout games last night. We'll touch on that. And we will talk about our good friend Jim Fossil next hour as well. I do exactly what I want to do. It's It's the the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane. I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. Boxing is back here in Las Vegas. Yes. Next three Saturday nights at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas, formerly the Hard Rock, formerly the Joint, the Theater. I don't know why I go into that voice. The Theater. I just... I hear a theater. I'll I just think it's that. funny that it's a theater, and when I mentioned the Aladdin Performing Arts Theater, you gave me crap for saying how old I was because I used the word theater. Now the newest venue in town is a theater. I yeah, mean, that's okay. right. I see I, that. I, I, I see that look on your you, face. I didn't give yes, you, you anything. Oh, you, oh, you, you just dated about? yourself. You said theater. Nobody calls them theaters anymore, and now the new venue is the theater. I Justified. I the Aladdin Theater. Yeah, but you I gave me stuff for it. Probably just because you wanted to throw the dagger a little bit, I never, and now it's come back to haunt That's you. not me. You got me confused with somebody else. No, I, I don't. Throwing daggers at you? Well, you probably figure I throw enough at you that you wanted to throw one back. <laughs> not at all. You know how I feel about the Aladdin? My man, Johnny Maggs, used to run the entertainment. I the love Aladdin. the Aladdin. The best sound in town. You know I promote a, a lot of shows. Any band in that that performed yeah. there sounded good. Yeah. I actually saw some musicals there. Saw Sebastian Bach from Skid Row play Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, Bach. Bach. Yeah. One of the best shows I saw there was Earth, Wind, and Fire with a midnight show. It was a midnight show that didn't start till one twenty in the morning. They did some midnight shows there. Yeah, they did a lot of midnight shows. And I was we're, we're sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. Yes! Now, of course, that's more your 
what you listen to. It's my genre, yeah. I saw a, uh, a New Year's Eve show once there with Ario Speedwagon and uh, Cheap Trick and some other bands in that, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Probably needed earplugs, too, didn't you? No. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> maybe maybe that's why my hearing's not what it used to be. But oh, I didn't wear earplugs to concerts and stuff back then. Though I do think for the for the game on Thursday at the uh, T-Mobile Arena, uh, should we go there? I have a feeling I. You're thinking about investing, aren't you? I'm thinking about getting some earplugs to put them in there. I have some friends that do put them in when they go to concerts. Oh yeah, boy, that place was loud last game. Yeah. What? Yes, eighteen thousand plus. And I was wondering why it was seventeen thousand, whatever it was, five hundred four for game number three. But then I'm thinking, well, is that the available seats? Because they said it was a sellout, and then we get the attendance figures for game number four, and then it was over eighteen thousand. Yeah. So and it's actually maxed out at seventeen or whatever. So you know, as as they used to say. At the old Chicago Stadium, the fire marshal's not happy because the crowd is. And, and I'll tell you a little secret about that, too, that not everybody knows. Because we're up there by the media section and in Stella Artois, where they have the media now up by Hyde Lounge. The people that you see in Hyde Lounge do not count with the attendance. Yeah. Just... That, so, so actually, that 18,000 is actually more than that. Because take the few hundred that are in there, it's probably near 19. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No question about it. No, great atmosphere. It, it it has been, and uh, and it's hard to really gauge what the atmosphere is like, you know, via television. Like tonight, when we were talking to Connor McGahey, who does the play-by-play for the Avalanche, he said they're going to have ten thousand five hundred there. But okay, it is loud. I mean, if you get anything more than probably five thousand, it sounds loud. And we've seen those type of crowds during the pandemic at T-Mobile Arena. And it carries well. I've talked about this before, even at the Thomas and Mack Center. When you get even four or 5,000 in there in that lower bowl, it can be rather loud. So, uh, you know, ha- having, having 10,500 tonight in Colorado is going to seem like 18,000 here. But uh, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. But will it really? Because cause that's one of the things I was going to say that – I hope, obviously, I hope we never have to go through another pandemic or all this stuff that the world has gone through. And it's still going through because, newsflash, it's not over yet, but everybody acts like it totally is. But I'm hoping that if we ever do again, that we'll quit hearing the stuff like, those 2,500 tonight sounded like 18. Oh, those 5,000 tonight sounded like 18. No, we just heard what 18 sounded like, and it's louder than any we've seen. Can we stop that narrative of it? Because, yeah, they're as loud as maybe that can be, and they pump in the other noise. It's still not like the 18. And, boy, what is it about people that if you put a, I'm not going to say cheap, but a little towel souvenir thing on the back of their seat, they go absolutely losing their mind and waving those things around and get even louder. You give them something to twirl around, and it really does amp it up. I got a freebie, too. Yahoo! Are you crazy? Uh, This just in. Towels do not make noise. No, the towels don't, but I'm saying the people, what I said was the people see them there and they get even louder. <laughs> you got some major problems. I didn't say you. I'm just saying this just in. Towels don't make noise. Had nothing to do with you thinking they do. Well, they, I know you don't think they do. I don't do. know. You, you've been in enough locker rooms. You, people used to snap the towels in that. Sometimes those things now don't hurt. Now you know, that speaks from personal experience again there. There is that Illinois education. You don't remember back snapping towels in the locker room? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. yeah. which I believe is bullying today, and yeah, you would you. probably get suspended for it if yes. you did. Yes, uh, they did a little bit more than that over at uh, Penn State. Uh, I'm not touching. <laughs> well, towels were involved. They said, "I'm sure there was." Mm, yeah, unbelievable. Just don't play Sweet Caroline. <laughs> they do that in Boston, don't they? They used to do it at Penn State, too. Yeah. They took it out of the rotation. Yeah. And they still do it at T-Mobile, except we don't call it Sweet Caroline. No, it's Sweet oh, Golden geez. Knights. Yeah, please don't do that. Yeah. Don't. I hate and when they don't do Don't give Numchuck the green light to go and find that song right now because we do not need that. Because you talk about, you know, why do people say, oh, 2,000 or 5,000 sounds like 18,000? Why do we continue to play a song from the early 70s and call it a national anthem when it has nothing to do with sports and it's not a revved up, pumped up, fire me up song? This is not Cool in the Gang and Celebration. This is Neil Diamond serenading you. Listen to the words. How did this even become allowable in any arena or stadium? Please explain. 
Neil Diamond in any stadium? Come on, because man. Because it's an easy sing-along. People love to sing along. In, in the version that you're giving me, it's like, this is like from your phone, from like T-Mobile. You hear the echo? This isn't even like, he didn't even go to the Was it straight from the studio? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, sweet Golden Knights, right? Yes. Stop it now. Don't get me singing with this nonsense. Record scratch, please. God. <laughs> Seriously. I, Seriously. I know the Red Sox did that for a long time and other places. Do they do still it. do it? I haven't I don't, seen I don't a game in Fenway in, in, in a while. I, 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 I mean, well, I see well, well, yeah. obviously I see them when they're on TV doing yeah. that. So, yeah. so, you know, I don't know how some, I mean, again, being from Chicago, the na-na-na-na goodbye. When Nancy Faust started playing that at White Sox games. That song was gone. It was dead and buried. Nobody. She revived it. Started playing it. The people. Co- you don't know what people are gonna k- jump into and tag along with. The group. That's what steam. happened. Gotta love steam. The one hit wonder steam. Yeah, that that that's an anthem. Yeah, and she, no and she well, and, but she completely revived it. Nobody was using it before that. Yeah, yeah no. Yeah, you know. Then yeah. it became like a big Chicago theme thing. But see, you know, that was that's always been a thing though, where you take a popular song. And where the bands will play it or the organist will play it. And I used to notice that at Wrigley Field and Dodger Stadium because they had the organs going for the longest time, you know, while everyone else was, you know, made the transformation to go to, you know, to play music. Yeah, the regular in song. music. But yeah, yeah. They, Dodger Stadium and Wrigley, you know, were the last ones to, to go that realm and they would play and i'd always say okay i know that song what is that it sounds different because it's just the organ playing yeah, like, you're oh, like you're, that's what that is yeah. it, it, it's a name yeah. that tune version for yeah. you in some respects but, but that's exactly what you're talking about with the white Sox because that's what they did you know they played and nancy Faust was their organist for go. those not from chicago right right so yeah but but again it's i mean sometimes they don't make sense i mean sometimes you get a goal song or something like that at his place and it sounds normal and the, but then again it's like the blackhawks chelsea dagger Tequila! See, I recognize that one. There you go. <laughs> and you know all the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Most people drink the lyrics, too. <laughs> right down to the worm? Yeah. That sounds like a Dodger Stadium right there, yeah. Yeah. Helen, whatever her name was, uh, you, you talk about uh, the Nancy Faust, right, for the, for the uh-huh. White Sox? Yeah. yeah. Helen, can't remember what her last name was for, for the Dodgers. Did it forever. So, anyway... Uh, crazy. Do you remember, like, when you were in high school? How Green the Acres? The Green Acres, yeah, exactly. Where's that when you need him? Well, I'm looking at him. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> what stadium are they playing that in? I don't know. I don't know. Doors are opening here. They're going, like, what are you guys doing today? This is not the Dougie Doo-Wop show. That's coming up next Tuesday. Am I hosting Dougie Doo-Wop next Tuesday? So let's be. Are we going to make the announcement right now? Okay, there he is. So I, I guess next Tuesday... Our friend Dougie Duwop. So from 10 to noon, is that right? 10 to noon, I am going to be hosting the Dougie Duwop show because Dougie is going to be filling in. So you can hear this at tcmartinshow.com. And what Dougie doesn't know just yet is that I'm hijacking his show. And it is going to be TC and the Soul Patrol's fabulous funk show, Recarnated. And we're going to take requests, baby. That's right, Numchuck. We're taking requests. So you don't have to do much prep work at all, baby. I'm going to come in here, get my music 70s and 80s vibe on, and we're going to jam, baby. That's what we're going to do. Frank, you're more than welcome to come in as well, too. You're going to jam up in jelly tight? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. There it is. And when Dougie comes back, He's not going to know what hit him. He's going to have a whole new audience on that following Tuesday. How did I talk myself into this one? I don't know. You were asking for it. <laughs> Come on. You're like, hey, I can do it. Yeah, I want to do it, but I want to play my own stuff. That's it. Can you did, did he hear that part? Did he see that in the fine print on the contract? I, I, I don't think he did. But uh, then again, I don't know if Dougie sees too well. So <laughs> that's okay. And Dougie does a great job. I, I I love his. You know, I've been a guest on his show. And but again, the the reason why I think that I've got some latitude here because you and I both know, all of us in this building know that we've seen his playlist before. And the duo, it, it definitely expands duo. <laughs> it yeah, expands, it's it's really like oh here we go. It's really like Dougie Golden Oldies. So Dougie's on every Tuesday from ten to, to noon at this station. And uh, here here was his last Tuesday show. And you let today me know. today. Today's Tuesday. 
Yes. That's a terrible Tuesday. There you go. Uh, okay, so, okay, There Goes My Baby by The Drifters. I like that. That's good. Uh, he loves Kenny Vance and the Planetones, right? Yeah, very good. Uh, Neil Sedaka. Now, see, I don't see Neil Sedaka really being doo-wop. Do you? No. No, no. Did he uh, play Sweet Caroline? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, he did play Lady by Lionel Richie. No, yeah, that's, that's not doo No, it's not doo That's what I'm saying. That, 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 Lionel Richie yeah. is actually later yes. in the music yes. genre than and we've Neil Sedaka. And we've seen playlists where he's gone with Michael Jackson and Thriller, right? That was like a Halloween show or something. He went always it? and forever with Heat Wave. Now, come on. See, I have full reign here. If he's playing stuff from the 80s, oh, yeah. We're going to funk it up a little bit, the 70s and the 80s. This is That's Kenny Rogers. Is that, oh, that's Lionel. There's Lionel. Okay, that's enough. Lionel's, Lionel's not getting wow. on this show. Numchuck just stumped you with the. You, you thought Kenny Rogers and Lionel Richie that would have been an interesting duet. Well, they both Although did the they, song. Well, and and I believe um, didn't um, Kenny Rogers write that one song for Lionel Richie? That's how they actually became really good friends yeah, on that. That was the original. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Lionel re did that, recorded it. So anyway, all right. Yeah. So there you go. Tell your friends. Be ready. Make some posts next Tuesday. We'll have some fun with that. <laughs> you'll I'm be like the, my eyes. You'll be like the bread around the blessing sandwich. It'll be TC, then Blessing, then TC again. That's good. All right. Okay. <laughs> that, would it be toasted or non-toasted? I don't know. Yeah. Depends on how burnt you get. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche. Oh, we're getting back on the rails? I think we're going to get back on the rails now <laughs> just for, for a little bit here. We, we should. Uh, I started talking about boxing, though. That's where I was going with, with everything. Don't forget, boxing is back. At, yeah, this is where you derailed me about the theater thinking that you were insulted, which you weren't. Jeez. You're the one who said you're showing your age and you're old because nobody says theater anymore. You said that. No, I said that about other things, but I don't know You about said that, that about okay. me. Yeah. I remember because I, I – trust me. Obviously, you tr- remember. Trust me. I have you're a good a memory when it comes oh, – You're a grudge holder. I still haven't forgiven Isaiah Thomas for not okay. going to DePaul. No, I don't forget that kind of stuff. You have nothing to be mad at me about ever. I didn't say I was mad. Okay. I, I just remember, and I can bring it up later, which is exactly what I did. Now, back on the rails. The joint is no more. The hard rock is no more. I don't more like that. The virgin. I don't like that. What? That the joint's no more. I know you don't like it. Just It's the theater. But we the joint established was, that we like the theater. The joint was smoking. Yeah. <laughs> it still is, though. The whole point of it. It still is. Okay. I haven't been inside since it has been the virgin. So I, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> Going joint smoking, and I'm going inside the virgin. Yeah, there we go. Back off the rails. I, it, bro. <laughs> I think he could have played a different soundbite there than that one, but that's okay. That's it. Speed down three. Can we call that massage parlor again? <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't talked to them in quite some hey, time. Numchuck says you're number one. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Happy endings galore here. Oh, this is not good. Boxing back at the virgin. There it is. Hotels, Las Vegas. Saturday night, Shakur Stevenson in the ring. Shakur will be joining us tomorrow. Look forward to that. Bob Arum as well as we uh, preview a great boxing night on ESPN. Top-ranked boxing Saturday night. We will have tickets to give away as well. So we look forward to that. And then then we've got boxing the next two weekends after that. And the best thing about the card? Yes. No Paul Brothers. No Paul Brothers. Oh, my goodness. What was his nunchuck sent me a, 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 a pre, the, pre, the press conference? I didn't watch it. But what, did somebody ask it, Logan Paul if he was going to fight his brother Jake? Is that what? And what was his response with that? Like, for the money he would? I mean, come on. nobody wants to see that. The Klitschko's never fought each but see, other. That and that be, would have been an actual fight. <laughs> see, but the, I, I wish they would fight. Okay, or fight another YouTuber. Because remember when Goofball fought KRS or KST, FBUBWXYZ, whatever, and our good friend Stitch Duran, who will be on the show Friday, by the way. Uh, Live from Sunset Station. Exactly, yeah. So KSI, right? And Stitch was in his corner. When those guys fought each other, we never heard about it. We never talked about it because the boxing community wasn't involved. So there wasn't this, eh, should I purchase this nonsense or watch it? So if those guys would just stay to that realm and quit involving the boxing or the MMA community, then then we wouldn't have to even worry about it. And we wouldn't have to worry about what their pay-per-view buys are. Oh, and by the way, did, I, I've seen the, the buys, okay? And they barely got 600,000 buys. 
Okay. Still, I mean, I guess that's okay. But when you're talking about mega fights, no good. So the one point some million that was reported yesterday, that's false. So once you really start diagnosing it, 600,000. All I can do is guarantee you that they will never, ever get a buy from me. Yeah. That makes two of us. Yeah, somebody. That's all I can control. Well, some, you know, this other guy, he'll pirate it. That's what he'll do. And and there's a lot of people that did that, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. That's why they thought maybe they had over a million, but they only had like about six hundred thousand. Well, it'd be interesting to know what the buys compared to the views were. Yeah. Though I don't know how they would ever find that out. (laughs) Because there were establishments right around town here that showed it. Really? Yes. They they showed it instead of the Golden Knights game. Well, I think they showed it along with the Golden yeah, Knights okay. games. With, I know for a fact no that the Hustler Club did. I know for a fact that Twin Peaks did because I saw them on Instagram that that fight was available. Yeah, I know. Two places that he frequents. There, there you go. There no, you no. Go. I, I don't frequent the one unless I'm paid to be there. The other one I do go to. <laughs> I, do, I do go to Twin Peaks because I enjoy the atmosphere. and the, I, I actually think they got really good food there. Good food. I think some of the Buffalo Wild Wings might have shown it, although I'm not sure about that. Mm. But the thing about it is, from what I understand, is the places that did show it did not charge a cover charge. Mm. Now, I think Hustler did, but I don't think uh, – I, I know Twin Peaks didn't. And they actually had the sound on, from what I understand, for the hockey game. All right. Tonight, get on over to Sunset Station and be there for the VGK watch party in Club Madrid. That'll be a great time. Get ready for game number five tonight between the Avalanche and the Golden Knights. It's been home ice all throughout the series. Will it continue tonight? Be interesting to see. I think we're going to get a – Big-time prime effort out of Colorado tonight. I think this is going to be a heck of a game. And, uh, you know, backs against the wall. We talked about the Golden Knights in Game 3. I think that's what you're going to get with the Avs tonight. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Avs scored first in the last game and then gave up five straight. Yep. So, you know, don't once the first goal's scored, doesn't mean anything. don't hop in your car and go thinking that the game's over. Yep. Because we have found out in this playoff year that that is frequently not the case. All right, when we come back, we will pay homage and tribute to our good friend Jim Fossil, who passed away yesterday at the age of 71. We will go back and play our last interview we had with him next hour, so hang tight for that. We'll also hear from famed running back and radio talk show host and former television host as well, Tiki Barber. We'll get his thoughts on on Jim Fossil as well, too, and uh, talk to our friend T.J. Reeves as well. So all that coming your way. Hour number two of the T.C. Martin Show. Stay tuned.